Praise the Lord, everybody. The psalmist said, clap your hands, all you people. Why don't you clap your hands for Jesus? Um, God is great and greatly to be praised. The psalmist said, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. And what a privilege and an honor it is to be back home here at Orangewood. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for another opportunity, God, to stand before you and to stand in your place. Not to be the chef today because you have already prepared your word. Simply help me to deliver this meal in a responsible way. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Lord, they that have an ear, let them hear what your spirit is going to say today. May we not be hearers only, but doers of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, good morning, Orangewood. It is a blessing to be here in the place of my good brother, my confidant, a brother who has been a pastor to me, friend to me over the years, and I honor him today in his absence, your pastor, Jeff Jakes, his wife, Katie. Would you clap your hands for them in their absence? Amen. Great leader he is, great servant. <laughs> thing I love about Jeff, what you see is what you get. He, he's not one thing here and a different thing in another place. He crazy all the time. <laughs> and um, I love him dearly. He would probably say the same uh, about me. Been coming here, I think, for about seven years uh, to serve here at Orangewood on the weekend of 4th of July, probably because nobody else would come on the weekend <laughs> on the holiday. And so y'all get to be stuck with me again. I do bring you greetings from the Kingdom Church. I serve as one of the pastors and the chief ministry officer uh, for the Kingdom Church, where our senior pastor, Pastor David Jock, served as the senior leader. And um, what a blessing uh, to be here uh, today. I'm sure they're probably missing me over there, but at the same time, uh, the Lord has called us to be an ambassador and to go here and there as he would call us to go. As you know, um, Orlando and our nation was hit recently with the massacre <coughs> that ravaged 49 families directly and countless others indirectly. As president of Corporate Care Partners, which is a corporate chaplaincy business, we were called to come alongside law enforcement uh, during that time to serve the families, specifically that Sunday and that Monday, to help with the death notifications um, for the families who had not yet heard anything about their families. I'll tell you, that was one of the most emotionally draining times for me. Uh, to be with those families at that particular time when you haven't heard anything but you think the worst only for the worst to be confirmed. And yet, <laughs> I was glad to be there 
uh, to be a part of that time to serve. Because I am a slave. And we're going to talk about that on today. During that time, I used Orlando as an acrostic to help people deal with fear and anxiety at that time. And I told them, we are overcomers. We are overcomers because Christ is overcome. And I told them, we're going to refuse to be victims. And I told them to laugh. Go watch a comedy. Get around people that make you laugh. Associate with other people because there were people at the time didn't want to leave their home. They want to go anywhere. I said, just go associate with people. Be neighborly. Go help someone. Help someone else who is in need. And I told them, disconnect from social media and the news. Because every time you turned around, bad news was happening in a span of four days. With the murder of a singer on Friday, massacre on Sunday morning, and then the little boy being taken by the alligator. The sheriff's department was hit and law enforcement was hit quite a bit during that time. So I get to serve as a chaplain with the law enforcement, with the sheriff's department and corporate chaplain, chaplain with our business. And so we were we were kind of hit on all sides. But our team. Team of about six of us from corporate care. We were there to serve those families. Because we are slaves. And when you are a slave, you don't get to pick and choose who you serve. We make ourselves available to all. I was also asked to pray at the memorial service this past Monday night for one of the victims. And I gladly did it. It was at the House of Blues. We had an awesome time. The gospel of Christ. The word of the Lord was presented and lifted up wonderfully in a place that is non-traditional for church. What a blessing. I was asked to pray, and one of the persons who asked me to pray told me that there were other pastors who were asked to serve during that time, and they refused to do so for whatever reason, perhaps because of the particular community that was associated with this massacre. But 49 human beings died on that day. 49 people who were image bearers of a holy God were killed that day. We're called to be slaves. And I want to talk today about the high calling of slavery. Tomorrow is the Independence Day. In 1776, for most Americans, thank you, sir. The Lord must have spoke to you to go get me some water. Bless the Lord. <laughs> Somebody hearing from the Lord this morning. 1776 was a time of independence for these United States. But it wasn't until 87 years later, January 1st, 1863, where President Lincoln 
was signed into law, the Emancipation Proclamation, making an end to slavery in America. And yet it wouldn't be another hundred years before Lyndon B. Johnson was signed into law the Civil and Voting Rights Acts that officially changed everything for blacks and minorities in America. 50 years later, here in 2016, race and bigotry still a problem in our country. And guess what, y'all? Godless what you thinking or feeling. Trump don't have the answer. Hillary does not have the answer. The Republicans or the Democrats do not have the answer. Our solution is not political. It is theological. Racism is a sin and a heart issue. Today, we're going to talk about the high calling of slavery. We've seemed to have hijacked that word to to the point that we don't want to talk about slavery. When we think about slavery, at least for me, where I come from, when you hear the word slavery... I think about Roots and Kunta Kente. I think about all the various movies that portray the transatlantic slave in here in America. 12 Years a Slave, Amistad, the recent underground. All of these display or convey a story. And yet God has always been part of the story. And y'all know me, I ain't afraid to talk about nothing. So don't look at me with that attitude like that. Don't look at me like that. Don't look at me. Y'all know I'm at home and I get to talk about anything I want to talk about. I think the first message I preached here was colored people. Y'all, anybody here remember that? Y'all was afraid when I showed up that day. The black man gonna talk about colored people over here at Orangewood. But if we get covered in the blood of Jesus, we're all colored people anyway. So, Orangewood, let me ask you a few questions. How would you like to be brought to a foreign country as a slave after all your life living in freedom? How would you like it if every command you lived by was the will of another? How would you like it If you were to live in a time where everyone around you were slaves like you and those slaves were so oppressed so much that they lived every day without hope or a solution to their enslavement. (coughs) Or you lived in slavery and didn't even know you were slaves. How would you like it if you were so hated by a race of people that the method of death was hanging even though you were innocent but was sentenced nonetheless from bogus charges. Hmm. Let's talk about the high calling of slavery and how each of these questions 
describe a story. Okay, so maybe you're thinking, you think I'm talking about my ancestors? Came to America through the transatlantic slave trade. My great grandfather was a Nigerian. You think I'm talking about that? I'm talking about Jesus. Every question that I just asked you is about Jesus. Oh, I feel my preach coming on. So now y'all better help me now. I, I, I feel it. I feel it over here. Think about it. How would you like to be brought to a foreign country as a slave? Jesus left the freedom of heaven and was enslaved himself by humanity. How would you like it if every command you live by was the will of another? Jesus says in John 6, 38, he came to do the will of his father. That's Jesus. How would you like it if every command you live by was from another? Jesus followed his father's will. How would you like it if everyone around you was slaves? Romans 6, 17 through 20 tells us that we were all slaves to sin. And Ephesians 2, 12 says that we were all without hope. Not talking about blacks in America. I'm talking about Jesus. This is the story about Jesus. How would you like it if you were so hated to death that you were uh, uh, sentenced to death by hanging? Acts 5 and 30 says that Jesus was hanged on a tree. Hmm. Fooled you, didn't I? Some of you may have said, oh, here goes the black people." Preacher talking about black oppression and making us white folks feel like we're guilty again. It's not about that. If you know me, if you know me, if you've listened to any messages that I preach, I'm going to tell you about Jesus eventually. I might go one way around the other. You might not know where I'm coming from, but preaching the Bible, all preaching, if the preacher did it right, Jesus should be lifted up and we should see a clear picture of him and what he desires to do in his redemption of his people. Are y'all with me? We're going to talk about the day and the message today is about Jesus and him coming to be enslaved. And all this message is about his followers who also have the high calling of being a slave. So let's go to work. In the scriptures, Philippians 2, 4 through 8. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, But emptied himself by taking on the form of a doulos. That servant. That is, the the, the ESV says servant, but there's a few translations I believe got the the word right. And it literally means slave. Bond, servant, 
are slave, a doulos. Are y'all with me? And being found in the form, in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the death of a cross. Wow. The Greek word doulos, slave, one who gives himself up to the will of another. One who is devoted to another to the disregard of his own interests. Wow. It's a lot in there. Now watch what he says in Philippians. Now it may not be up there. I'm not going to go to 919. I'm going to go a little bit above Philippians 4 and 8. I'm going to read the third and the fourth verse. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or deceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only of his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's what slaves do. Slaves put others' needs above their own. That's what slaves do. And that's what Jesus did by leaving the comfort of heaven by leaving his glorious environment of heaven to come down here to crap. That's the hood version of the story. (laughs) He that knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the rightness, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He did that for us. And in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, this is what Paul says. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a slave or a servant to all that I might win more of them. That's why I'm a slave. And and, and he uses a, a, a different but similar word. Dulao is Similar to do loss, and it means to make oneself a slave of. To reduce myself to bondage. To commit oneself wholly to another's needs and service to them. So if I, if I were to insert that definition, Paul says, though I am free from all, I have made myself a slave, I have reduced myself to bondage to all people for the purpose of winning them to Jesus. That is why I choose slavery. We can't be afraid to use that word. So here's, here's what I want you to do. When you, when, when you go home or go to work and they say, hey, tell, how was church? Church is wonderful. What was the message about? Tell them, tell them the preacher, tell, say this. Say, preacher told us that we, we're going back to slavery. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What kind of church is that? What church you go to? Orangewood. It's mostly white people there. Yes. But the preacher who told us this was black. Oh, really? Tell them that. Tell them we're going back to slavery. I know you ain't going to do it because you're afraid. I see it all in your faces right now. But the scripture is true. 
And in 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23, this is why Paul says, I am a slave of all. In the 20th verse, he says, to the Jews, I became a Jew. To win the Jews. To others who were under the law, I became as one under the law. <coughs> Though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. And to those who are outside the law, Gentiles, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I may win those outside the law. Then he said, to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people. (laughs) Why? That I might win them, that I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in his blessings. Jesus is the ultimate slave. And we must see ourselves as slaves also. Now this might sound a little uncomfortable for you. And I wish Jeff was here because I want to I would love to see his face turn red. <laughs> but I'm here because I am Jeff Jake's slave. Some of y'all turn red. Let me just keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds weird, doesn't it? But I know my friend. I know my brother. If Jeff was here, he would stand up and say, but I'm David Outing's slave too. And if you are a Christian, 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 being a slave comes with the title. So let's stop letting the transatlantic slave trade that maliciously brought and kept Africans to America. Let's stop allowing that word to hijack us. Hmm. Because God uses the human experience to reveal who he is. That's pretty powerful. And watch this. Jesus said, he that is chief or leader among you, let him be slave of all. I am here because I am a slave to Orangewood. My sister, who lives in Atlanta, called a a family gathering this weekend. She did it months ago. Now, she ended up canceling it because a lot of the family members couldn't come during this time. But when she called it, I said, yeah, that'd be fine. That'd be fun. Then I realized this is the weekend. Orangewood enslaves me. <laughs> and even when Jeff hadn't called, sometimes I, hadn't, I won't hear him hear from him for a while. I said, you know what? I'm just going to block this date out because I know I'm going to get one of them little nasty texts from him in a minute saying, are you going to be here for such and such a date? And I've already blocked it off because it's just part of who I am. And I told my sister, I said, I won't be able to make it. And I was trying to figure out a way to catch a flight after the service to get there if it was possible. But she ended up canceling. I come here because I'm a servant. In the kingdom, I'm a slave of Christ 
I'm a slave of all people. Hmm. Matthew 20, 27, Jesus said, whoever would be first among you must be your slave. You can read that in Matthew 20, 27. Whoever must be first among you will be, must be your slave. We all want to be first, but we don't want to deal with that word. <coughs> hmm. God causes all things to work for the good, no matter what. We see that word slavery. You got to understand the apostles and the patriarchs, they all were slaves. You don't believe it? Trace Joseph's life. Joseph was a slave and God used it for his glory. Not only that, how about God having this cool conversation with the patriarch himself, Abraham? Abraham? I'm going to bless you. Your seed is going to be great. Your seed will be multiplied. Count them. If you can count the stars of heaven, the sand on the seashore, that is your seed. But I'm telling you something, Abraham, your seed, your people are going to be slaves in Egypt. And they're going to be there for 400 years. Slavery is part of the biblical narrative. And God uses that to show us our enslavement to sin. He also uses it to show us the story of Jesus and how he came here. Uh, Amen. Came here free. Only to become enslaved to humanity. So even... Hosea and Matthew said, out of Egypt, I have called my son. Jesus was the ultimate slave. He took on the form of a slave. And all scripture must be read and interpreted with Jesus and his bride in mind. You you don't just read the story of David and Goliath. And just think the story is about David and Goliath. You you, you don't just read about Samson and think the story is about Samson. You don't just read about the Exodus and think the story is about Moses and Aaron and Miriam leading the people. (laughs) Every story in the scripture must be read and seen through the lenses of Jesus. Where is Jesus in the story? Are y'all with me? God uses human experiences to uh, convey spiritual points. Parents, raise your hand if you have a son. Many of you in here have sons. Raise your hands if you've ever had conversation if they're older, you probably had that conversation. If they're not older and they're younger, you will have this conversation. Raise your hand if you've ever had a conversation with your son about the kind of woman he should date or marry. Oh, yeah. How many of you would tell your son to marry a hoe? Come on now, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Come on now. I don't see nobody raising their hand. Yet God tells the prophet Hosea, go marry a harlot. 
go marry a whore. We wouldn't counsel our boys to do that, but God tells the man of God, go marry a whore because your marrying her in the natural is simply a spiritual point that I'm trying to make that all y'all are a bunch of hoes. Because a whore is unfaithful and unclean. That's us. It is said that Augustine said it. Don't know if he did or not. That the church is a whore. But she is my mother. Powerful points. So when you follow the scriptures. Hosea. The reason why you got to marry a whore, you're simply being a reflection of Jesus because he's going to marry one. I lost all my amens right there. Okay, how many of us have ever been unfaithful? Raise your hand. I'm going to ask that one more time. How many of y'all ever been unfaithful to God in any way? Whore. How many of y'all ever been unclean in your thoughts or in your deeds? Horror! And yet Jesus marries us nonetheless. And God uses human experiences no matter how depraved. Whether it's the transatlantic slave. Let me tell you something. There's just something powerful uh, my wife and I experienced. I think it was last year. So honored to have my beautiful wife with me. Amen. She's <laughs> 29 years and she still make me smile. Oh, bless the Lord. Let me hurt and preach. Keep on going so I can get up on out of here. Oh. All right. We went to Charleston, South Carolina for a family reunion. And I wasn't all hip to all the history of Charleston. So when I get there, I'm a history guy. <coughs> So I love sitting and watching. Last, last night I sat there and watched hours history about the presidency uh, and the possible secret books that secret book the president may have. I love watching history and uh, things about the presidency and secret service. That stuff, that's cool stuff. And when we were in Charleston, I said, wow, this is where the Civil War started. But the first shot there at Fort Sumter, we took the boat ride to Fort Sumter. And I, I remember being on that boat and said, wow, in that fort, the first shot rang out. Why the Civil War? Because you had Christian abolitionists who read the scripture differently than Southern white slave owners. One group of people were fighting for the freedom of slaves and the other group was fighting to keep slaves enslaved and we have this civil war and my mind went back and thought about the different people who must have fought I thought about this rich history in Charleston we, we took the Gullah tour where the man spoke Gullah which is a compilation of African English and all kinds of other languages in the Gullah language. And they were coded words that the slaves would speak so that the masters wouldn't know what they were talking about. Man, that was cool history. And then my wife and I, 
we went to the Boone Plantation where there were actual slave cottages and the big house where the slave owner lived. And we walked through the house. How beautiful, beautiful. I mean, immaculate, wonderful, all that stuff. And then we took a tour of the grounds that included the cotton machine. We took a tour of the fields, the cotton fields, the tobacco and pecan, all, all those fields where the slaves would work in. But the thing that really, really got to my wife and I was those little slave houses. They were, you know, these little slave houses, let me tell you, this, this part of the stage was, much, was larger than those slave houses. And they had a bunch of them in a row. And some of the artifacts were still left there by <laughs> slaves who lived there. And I looked in there and I, and, I, and I thought about what those families must have gone through. Wondering maybe if any of them were some of my ancestors. But there was this one house that got my attention. It was called the praise house. Oh, my preacher is coming on now. I feel it. I feel it. I said, what is this house? The praise house. This is where the slaves would gather and they would sing songs unto the Lord and they would worship God. And I stood in that praise house and said, how do you worship God in the midst of slavery? Only God. I thought about it. That the country they came from served a different God. And they get here to America and hear about Jesus. God, he does not condone slavery. In fact, you can read that in 1 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. He lists slavers with those who commit all these other sins, all kinds of uh, unclean sins and, and heterosexual sins and homosexuality and murder and lying. He lists in the midst of those enslavers. God does not condone slavery. In Revelation 18, he judges people who use human as their cargo in the ships. We know God doesn't condone it, but God will use it. He'll use it. God, and, and the question came up, we chaplains and pastors, we get crazy questions in times of like, like, like the massacre that took place. Where was God? The reason why I'm not religious, the reason why I'm not a Christian, because if there was a God, this wouldn't have happened to these 49 people. And I was in a group of people as I was dealing with that, and I used somebody as an example, I'm going to use my sister here since she's doing something wonderful. What would y'all think of me if I just went up to her and slapped her? Right? And then spit on her. And then threw her down and then stepped on her. What would you think about me? You can't say, where was God when, when she was being hurt and brutalized? 
I chose to do wrong. I chose to do evil. But where was God? God will be in the goodness of people. I'm going to tell you where God will show up. He'll show up in this brother first, in this family first, and everybody else. And they'll come bum rushing me and say, what you doing hitting on our sister for? And they'll beat me up and then send me on out of here. And then they'll, they'll tend to her wounds. And they'll, they'll, they'll serve her and they'll bless her. God will show up. When human will shows out. Wasn't God who was with that young man who killed those 49 people? The Bible says murder and killing is the work of the flesh. He chose to do that. But what God did, he showed up in people standing in line, giving blood, all in the hot sun, in the SWAT team that went in without thinking about themselves. And all the chaplains and, and, and first responders and the um, mental health counselors and the victims advocate that showed up to serve those people that were hurting. That's where God is. But God will use it for his glory. Joseph, I know being a slave don't feel good. I know being thrown in a pit doesn't feel good. I know it don't feel good to be in prison. But what was meant for evil, I will turn it around and mean it for good. <laughs> so God will say to black folks, I know don't feel good to have had to come to another country. Being forced to come. Raped. Brutalized. The men and women had children only to see their children sold to another plantation. That don't feel good, but I use it for my glory because when y'all got here, y'all learned about the name of Jesus and y'all created a praise house where you can worship me, where you can praise me in the middle of it. Let me tell you something. God, he is a wonderful, he's a master at taking your crap and making glory out of it, taking your situation and making glory. I don't always understand what happens, but Job, I don't know what it feels like to bury 10 children at the same time and to lose your wealth and your health only for Job to fall down and worship. <laughs> God, help us here. We're called to be slaves. In fact, 1 Peter 2, 18 to 25, you ain't got to put it up there, but it talks about Peter says, servants, be subject to your masters. Wait a minute. Hold up, player. You tell me to be subject to my masters? That's crazy. Let me just say this. Everything that is descriptive in scripture is not prescriptive for living. So just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean that God wants us to live by it. But because we are in it, God will use it for his glory. And so slavery, men owning other men, was part of the human depravity, even in the biblical narrative. So Peter's instruction to the slaves, 
people who were enslaved, he said, be subject to your masters. And then the 21st verse just, if you can put that up there, that'll be fine. I know that ain't in the notes, so I know I'm messing you up up there. First, first Peter 2 and 21. Can you put that up there? Maybe not. Okay. Is it? Maybe not. Okay. He says, tell me if it's up there. I ain't turning around no more. All right. Watch this. The 20 verse says that you being enslaved is a calling. That, that messed me up. You know why it's a calling? Because it goes on, and Peter does what every preacher should do. You always got to put Jesus in the story. He said the reason why it's a calling, because it is a reminder of Jesus and what he did for us. Did y'all see that? If you don't have your Bible, you can pull it up on version or something. Or read it on your own time. Watch this. It's a calling. And it's a reflection of the favor and grace of God on our life. God calls slaves to honor and respect those who rule over them, including the unjust ones, as an example of Jesus on how he submitted himself to humanity. We've been called to suffer. All of our experiences, slavery, pain, suffering, it's all about Christ. He uses it for his glory. But watch this. The New Testament levels the playing field. Though we have a high calling of slavery to one another, such enslavement eventually leads us to sonship. Slaveship leads to sonship. Galatians 4 and 7 says, so you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. So let us be faithful to the high calling of slavery. As I bring this home, <coughs> it causes us to be like Christ. Acts fourteen twenty two says, out of much tribulation, Shall we enter into the kingdom of God? Being a Christian. See, we, we have an Americanized version of Christianity. You know what that is? That everything is supposed to be nice and wonderful. I shouldn't have no pain, no problem. None of that. That is not the life of the apostles. That was not the life of Christ. We here in America, we talk about the American dream. You know, that everything's supposed to be wonderful and good. Out of much tribulation shall we enter into the kingdom. Can I tell you this? God is not concerned about your comfort. He's more concerned about his character in you. You can pray about stuff all you want to. God is not going to answer affirmatively all your prayers. You don't believe it? Ask Jesus, his own begotten son. Prayed three times in Gethsemane. Father didn't even say nothing to him. Can you imagine? 
Not, not even the father should have said, I mean, he should have been at least nice to the son. Now, you know, Jesus, you know, you know what we talked about a million years ago. This, 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 why are you even talking to me? It's, I, it's all right. Everything going to be all right. The father said nothing. Jesus prayed. His disciples went to sleep. And three times Jesus came to the conclusion at the end. Nevertheless, not my will. But you'll be there. Well, that's Jesus. And so, so he, he, you know, he anointed and he the son of God. And so he got that kind of power. Okay, let's talk about Paul then. In 2 Corinthians 12, the Bible says the messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him. Do you understand that? He was caught up to the third heavens. <laughs> and when he came back, it's amazing how people who say they went to heaven, they write books about it. But the apostle who went to heaven, God told him don't write nothing. That's a whole nother story. I ain't even get there. I'm not even going there. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I, I digress. But lest he get lifted up in pride, lest he get exalted above measure, the Bible says a thorn was placed inside. And some theologians think it might have been a health situation or some kind of disease or sickness, whatever it is. The Bible says Paul prayed about it three times. Now, God, now, you know, I can imagine what that prayer sounds like. Because if, if it was me, this, this is, this is, it'll sound something like that. Now, you know, Lord, I've been walking with you a long time now. You know, we cool. You know, we cool, God. We cool now. I've seen you do miracles. I'm your boy, God. I'm your boy now. Come on now. This is too rough for me. I need you to take this from me. Paul prayed three times. And the father says, uh-uh, my grace is enough for you. In your weakness, my strength is made perfect in you. I want God to heal me of this leukemia that I have. That I have to take, some of you may have seen me take some pills. I had to take my little chemotherapy this morning while I was sitting over there. I want God to heal me of it. But if he doesn't, he's still worthy to be praised. I'm going to still preach until I can't preach no more. And I'm going to live until I die. Ain't that deep? (laughs) We want God to do so much for us. But God in his infinite mercy knows what it's going to take for his will to be perfected in us. For Paul said that when I'm weak, that is when I'm strong. For in my weakness, God's strength is made perfect in me. God, you're able to deliver me from this thing. But even if you don't, like the three Hebrew boys said, we will not bow. I still will preach. I still will stand for you no matter what. God, if you pay the bill, great. If if you don't pay the bill, great. God, if I keep my house, great. If I lose it, great. If I keep the car, great. If they repo it, great. God, if you take this from me, great. If you don't, great. I know you sang the song, because I'm happy, right? Everybody know that song. God don't care much about your happiness. He cares more about your joy. Happiness is based on what's happening. Open now. If I get a good check, I'm happy. When I'm broke, I'm sad. 
You know, when everything's good, I'm happy. When it ain't going, I'm sad. But joy is, you know what? I just got a lot of money. Praise the Lord. Man, I'm broke. Praise the Lord. I got a house. Praise the Lord. I got to live in the hotel. Praise the Lord. I got a car. Praise the Lord. I got to take the bus. Praise the Lord. I got a husband. Praise the Lord. I'm lonely. Praise the Lord. Your joy is unspeakable and should be full of glory. Jesus said, I come that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Joy is not based on your circumstances. It's based on who Jesus is. So whether I live or die, I am the Lord's. Well, I'm going to get healed. I just don't know if it's here or when I get there. But I'm going to be healed. And I'll pray for what I want him to do here. But if he chooses not to, it's going to be all right. Let me bring this home. The reason why we need to be slaves in closing is because it is evangelistic. As we said earlier, we can win others to Christ. America's answer to the racial divide is Jesus. The Bible says, That righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The further and further this nation gets away from God, we're going to see the effects of it. But I pray for the Goshen effect. Anybody know what the Goshen effect is? When all the plagues hit Egypt, Goshen was spared. I want y'all to get a picture of that. I want y'all to read that in Exodus. Imagine it's storming in Orlando and went apart, but old Maitland gets spared. Darkness is in Orlando and everywhere, but Maitland has a bunch of sunshine. I pray that whatever happens in the world, that the church of Jesus Christ will be covered. But whether we go through tribulation or not, Listen, we're going to vote for a president in November. I ain't going to tell you who I'm leaning on. If I do like last time, I won't vote for nobody. But regardless of who the American president is, we serve at the pleasure of a king. And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. As I bring this home, slaves... What we do, we do for others without worrying about getting things in return. Slaves work for no wages. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Slaves make other people's lives easier. Are y'all getting this? Slaves put their lives secondary to those that they serve. As slaves, we serve everyone around us. I am my wife's slave. All the latest. I saw smiles on that. I wish my husband said that. <laughs> I am my children's slave. Whoever is chief among you, let them be servant of all. I'm a slave of Orangewood. That's why I don't take vacations around the 4th. I'm a slave to those coming before or after me. When I'm at the restaurant, 
or at the grocery store. I always look behind me. When I see a lady coming or anybody coming, I'll stand there and, and, and keep the door open. I could keep on going. The reason why I keep the door open because I'm a slave. My job is to make life easier for people. When I'm in the grocery, when I'm in the parking lot of the grocery store and we put our grocery in the car, I don't never leave my cart right where I put the grocery in. I don't care how far away I'm going to take my cart. And not only take my cart, I'm looking for other carts that are out of place. And you ought to see me. I look like I work for Walmart or Publix. I take those carts and I go over here and put that one there and put that one there and I'll push it in. You know why? Because I'm a slave to the person who's supposed to do it. My job is to make life easier for people. The reason why when I see people hoods open in the parking lot, whether grocery store, at the church or restaurant, I'm a slave of them, so I'll stop. Can I help you? Do you have a cables? Yeah, I got some cables. Man, I got to get to. Man, I'm running late. Man, it's raining. Slaves don't think about rain. Slaves don't think about where they need to be. Slaves think about other people. Hmm. I'm a slave to my neighbors. I'm a slave to everyone that I may expose them to Jesus. When me and my wife, this has been years ago, she may not remember it. We were in a restaurant. We got poor service. And I knew it was because we were black. It was obvious. You just, just know. When you're black, you know. Just, just, just trust me. <laughs> and all the black people in here say, amen. They know it. They know it. <sighs> and at the end of the day, I gave her a good tip anyway. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil by what? Doing good. Oh, y'all think Christianity is for wimps? Oh, no. Bless them that what? Curse you. Love them that what? Hate you. Do good to them that despitefully what? Use you. When you do this, you'll be called children of my father. Slaves. And if you are a believer, you are a slave. Tomorrow is Independence Day. People will celebrate Independence Day, but I'm going to celebrate Independence Day. Because I am in Dependence on God. You need to be independent on him as well. Remember, our freedom is linked to our enslavement. We're free to be slaves and we're slaves to be free. The high calling of slavery is a story of Jesus. He is our slave. When I watch 12 years of slave and I watch fruit. I watched those slaves be beat, whipped till their backs are broken. But you can't talk about American slavery and that kind of slavery without thinking about Jesus, who was beaten and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by those stripes, we are healed. A lot of people like to use that scripture to talk about physical healing. But when you read 1 Peter 2, when you read Isaiah 53, it is specific about the healing of the disease condition of our soul. He was bruised for our sin. If 
He heals us of cancer. He's able. But that wasn't the blood. That's not what the blood was for. It was for our condition, the soul, the condition of our soul, the sin that we were all born in, shaped in iniquity. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us right now from all unrighteousness. If he chooses to heal me of the headache, great. But Lord, I'm going to go get me an Advil if you don't do it. God, you can hear me with this back. But if I don't feel nothing, by tomorrow, I'm going to the chiropractor. But when I ask you to cleanse me of my sin, it's instant. Thank you, Father, for your word. Your word is truth. The words you speak to us are spirit and life. Jesus, thank you for being my slave. Thank you for not letting me wash your feet, but you washed mine as a good slave would. Thank you for not letting me serve you as much as you came to serve me. For he that will be chief among you, let him be servant of all. And as much as I have done this unto you, disciples, go and do likewise to others. Wash their feet. Serve them. Bless them. Go make life easier for them. Thank you, God, for your word that as slaves, we don't think about ourselves, but we put the needs of others above ourselves, thinking about them. Help us husbands to be slaves to our wives. Help us as parents to be slaves to our children. Help us as leaders and neighbors to be slaves to one another. Help us to be slaves for our teachers at the school, the principals at the school, the law enforcement, the people at the grocery store, everywhere we go, help us to be slaves and embrace this high calling to slavery. In Jesus' name. Or as my Spanish brothers would say, in the nombre de Jesus. Amen. And amen.